Welcome to Wisdom of the Masters, Hasidic Parsha Pearls on the Parsha. Um, we're going to today, um, I actually had a toss-up of what to share with you. I had a hard time finding something and I found two very, very nice pieces that actually work well together, but we'll break them off into two different recordings if we have time. To do the second one, we will. This is Parsha's Truma. Parsha's Truma begins the construction of building the Mishkan. The Mishkan, translated in English as an English word that nobody understands, a tabernacle, was really a temporary temple. It was a portable temple that the Jews used for their service of God as they dwelled in the desert until eventually the permanent temple was built in Jerusalem many, many years later. And the construction of this process begins in this week's Parsha. And there's so much to be said about building the tabernacle as the goal of our existence in this world that God created the world. It's brought down in the Hasidic writings because God desired to have a dir b'tachtonim, a dwelling place below, that he wanted us to literally build a home for him in our amongst us and i would be remiss to to if i didn't express this incredible teaching of the al sheikh a kabbalist who lived in Sfat uh, many many years ago who says in this week's parsha it says you should build for me a sanctuary and i will dwell in them and he asks why does it say i shall dwell in them i should say i shall dwell in it and he says no, because the real dwelling place of God in the low in the in the lower world is inside the heart of every one of us. That's really the goal. We're building a sanctuary, but the goal is that we should become a sanctuary. So the parsha begins by Daber Hashem al Moshe Lemar, and God spoke to Moshe saying, "Daber al Israel, speak to the Jewish people, v'yichuli, and they should take for me truma." Truma, the word truma means a volunt like a gift or a donation. From the heart of every person whose heart inspires him. You should take my truma, my, my voluntary offering, my donation. And that's the Pasuk. And there are a few things that we want to just point out in Rashi before we go into our teaching for the day. Rashi says, take my truma. Rashi says, li, take for me truma. Rashi says, li lishmi, for me, for my sake, or for my name. What does it mean, take for me an offering? God is saying, take it for my name. We'll have to understand what that means because all mitzvahs are supposed to be done lishma for the sake or for the name of God. And then truma, Rashi says, what is truma hafrasha? Truma is a a separation. nadava. Take from your, separate from your money a a voluntary donation. Okay. And today we're going to be learning a teaching from the Sefer Ma'or V'Shemesh, which means the light and the sun. The Ma'or V'Shemesh, his name is Kalonimus Kalman Halevi Epstein, lived from 1753 until 1823, and he was one of the leading 
Hasidic masters in the town of Krakow, Poland, where we visited not so long ago. Now, um, uh, I just happened to hear a wonderful biography about the Ma'ar Vashemesh's life on um, Jewish history soundbites from my former tour guide in Poland, Yehuda Geber. Definitely recommend checking it out. And he says uh, amazing thing about the Ma'or Vashemesh's life. In some ways, he was a little bit of a tragic hero. The Ma'or Vashemesh was extremely poor as a boy, and he used to sell bagels outside the main synagogue in Krakow, the Ramah Shul, a great synagogue of Ramosha Israelis, the Ramah, and um, where we again, visited on our trip to Poland recently with Rage. And he was a bagel seller, and he used to stand barefoot outside the synagogue selling bagels. And one day, it was raining, and he went inside to the synagogue to dry off for a little while. He was a little boy of seven, age seven or so, and he was blown away by what he saw inside. The dozens of, of Jewish scholars studying away studying Talmud, he was so inspired and so impressed that he just he just fell in love with it. And every day he used to sell his bagels very quickly and run in and just sit in the back of the shul. And he was he was he was a young boy, his parents couldn't afford to educate him. He may or may not have even known how to read, but he was so blown away he just used to sit in the back of the shul every day. And finally someone basically took him under their wing and started teaching him to learn. And after many years, he ended up becoming one of the leading scholars of Krakow. And this was at the early, early years of the Hasidic movement. And he eventually went to, to uh, attempt to study from the great Rev. Eli Melech of Lezhensk, who we also visited in our trip to Poland, who brought the Hasidic teachings to Poland at the time, who was a follower of the Magad of Mezrich, the second generation the leader who took over for the Baal Shem Tov. So we're talking about three generations into the Hasidic movement. And uh, the Rev. Kalanimus Kalman Epstein went to Rev. Elimelech of Lezhensk and asked if he could become one of his disciples. And Rev. Elimelech ignored him and essentially turned him away. <laughs> but although that would have stopped a lesser man, and many of us would have given up. He did not give up, and he just devoted his time. And I was talking about a major Talmudic scholar and a rabbi. He devoted his time to just simply chopping wood and stoking the fireplace in Raveli Melech's synagogue. So he just became literally the shamish in the synagogue, just helping supply firewood and taking care of things. And then eventually, after several months or years, Rav Elimelech accepted him as a student. It's not clear why exactly he didn't accept him initially, and he ended up becoming one of his primary students and a very inspirational leader. But what's interesting is he never had his own synagogue, and he never really had his own following. It's very interesting. He went back to Krakow, and he, uh, he taught, and he inspired lots of people, and lots of people used to come to him. But the city of Krakow was not really at that time such a Hasidic enclave, and it just never really took off. But his teachings have survived a memorable in his book, Ma'or Vashemesh, which is learned and by everyone in the Hasidic world. And some have referred to it as the 
like basically the uh, Bible of Hasidus, the the encyclopedia of Hasidic teachings. It's really a foundational work. So <clears throat> let's see what he says. And he's going to take these first words of the Parsha and turn them into something completely different that really talks about each and every one of our service of God. And it's very interesting what he's going to recommend on how to get close to God. So he says, we're going to explain as follows. When a person truly, for the sake of truth, wants to come to serve God truly for the sake of truth, Okay, he says the same words twice. When a person wants to come close to God, the and the goal he says of serving God is to connect Kutshabrihu Vishkinte. What does that mean? Kutshabrihu is God. God who's beyond the world. What's Shekhina? Shekhina is the divine presence, the presence of God which is within the world. And our job as Jews, our primary job is and we say that God wants to build a dwelling place below. So one way of explaining this is he wants us to unite this world with him. That there's divine sparks in every experience and everything in this world. And our job is to connect those sparks to God who's beyond this world. To literally free these trapped spiritual experiences and spirituality that's hidden in this world. That's the job of a Jew. <laughs> to unify the world. To show that God is here in the darkness of the physical world. So that's our job. And when a person wants to do that, he has to separate himself from things that distract him from that goal. What does he say? The number one, two things that distract him from this goal. Number one is people. A person has to distract, to separate themselves from people. You shouldn't attach yourselves to people who are not right, who are not proper, people who are not focusing on this mission in life. <clears throat> Rather, he should attach himself from time to time with the righteous people, the leaders of the generation, spiritual people, to see their perfect service of God, to see what it's like to live completely for the sake of spirituality. And, but you shouldn't spend too much time with people that aren't like that. But all, even from all people, the, the main thing is a person should be in a state of his bodedus. That means aloneness with his thoughts always. You should disconnect yourselves from people and in order to connect with yourself. Alone with your thoughts always. To attach, to look at the elevation of God, and that is one level, that we should disconnect from people in order to connect to God and connect to ourselves. That's called his bodedus. And there still are Hasidic groups, primarily Breslov, which recommend something called his bodedus, aloneness, alone contemplation or meditation or talking to God and alone for one hour a day in the forest, in a room, to literally just spend time alone with your thoughts alone with God. And uh, really every path in Judaism recommends this. But it's not practiced so much nowadays except by by the Breast Love Group, which, which really emphasizes doing that every single day. And there's another level we have to achieve 
if we want to completely attach ourselves to God. Shaloyav lichnos mamon harbe, that we should run away from our desire to amass money and wealth. Rachsarich lios bamidas histafchus. We have to learn to be satisfied with what we have. Listapik bamuot, to be happy with a little, with the minimal. Because if a person, God forbid, loves money, then they will not be able to serve God. These two different levels are an obligation to anyone who wants to serve God truthfully. And now he's going to explain how this verse is talking about this. This is what Rashi is telling us in the Pasuk, and you should take for me, Rashi says, Lishmi, for my name. If you want to take, says the Pasik, take me, literally. The Pasik says, take me, God says. If you want to take me, how do you do it? Lishmi, to attach me to my name, says God. If you want to attach God who's beyond the world with God who's within the world, the feminine presence of God, the Shekhinah, if you want to attach me with my name, how do you do that? And the, the Shekhinah refer, is, is generally expressed as the name of God, the expression of God in this world. Your name is your external ex, is expression, your address, so to speak. How do you do it? You have to take a truma. What's truma mean? It means to lift up literally to elevate and rashi says hafrasha to separate how do you do it hafrasha me'es kol ish you have to separate yourself from every person you have to distance yourself from people and focus on being alone with your thoughts and alone with god rachlios bizbodus godo be be in isolation bazeo truma me'es kol ish that's what it means a separation from every person. You also have to disconnect yourselves from the desire to amass wealth. Separate yourself from your from your money. Rashi said. You have to run away from wanting money. And then your heart will be free to attach yourself to God. El Yonim Imatakton to attach the upper and the lower worlds, Bainsof Barhu, with God who's beyond the world and God who's within the world, in order to build a dwelling place for God below. People do need money sometimes. And they look at money according to for their for their to fill their needs. Ramushalachazan ye parush lishmo isbrach and and that's okay. Sometimes you need money as long as you go back to separating yourself. And therefore the Pasik concludes, the verse concludes, Nidva Rotzalomar Shiyem Miyad Blila Niak Liyam Habayim Kizeh Khilik Bain Nedir Linadava Shinadava Omar Hari Zeh Parish Miyad Vanidra Hari Alai says the money you have should be for your immediate needs. You shouldn't worry about the future. And there were many Hasidic masters and other Torah leaders who would not go to sleep at night unless they had given away all the money that they had to charity. 
So I want to conclude with one last idea. That in this week's parsha, it says that we have to, we have to. Um, it says that we have to. It says, Yichuli, take for me an offering. Take for me, Truma. And the commentaries are all puzzled because it should really say, give for me an offering. Give for me a, 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 a donation. Why does it say, take for me a donation? And the commentaries point out because the real taking in this life is that what you give away. The true things that belong to you is that what you give. You could try to acquire wealth, but the reality is, is that your wealth doesn't really belong to you. Most likely, you'll end up losing it, spending it irresponsibly, or even if you hold on to it at the end of your life, you're not taking it with you to the next world. There was a great uh, Jewish philanthropist, multimillionaire, who, when he passed away, he wrote in his will that he wanted to be buried with his socks on. And according to Jewish law, you have to be buried without any clothes, wrapped in a uh, burial shawl, similar to the way that you came into this world. And they asked many, many rabbis, his children, and everyone said, no, you got to bury him with the socks on. And at the uh, funeral, so they had to go along with Jewish law. They couldn't follow their father's wishes. At the funeral, the lawyer shows up with a letter written by their father. And the letter says, you see, I couldn't even take my socks with me. Not only my socks, but not my wealth either. But what money do you take with you? The mitzvahs that you do, the money that you spend on giving to others, that's yours eternally. But it goes deeper than that. It's not just in the next world. It's even in this world. A study was done where $5 was given to two different control groups. Group A was told to go buy something for themselves. Group B was told to buy something for someone else. At the end of the day, they they surveyed the two different groups. The group that bought something for themselves bought themselves a cup of coffee. They didn't even remember it by the end of the day. But group B that bought something for someone else was remembered the experience the entire day and they were gladdened and felt joy from that experience the entire day the true taking in this world is giving if we can learn to be givers to think about others that is the ultimate experience of pleasure that we can have for ourselves so we should be blessed to build a dwelling place for god in this world ultimately in ourselves is the ultimate goal and how do we get there by as the as the Mor teaches us by isolating ourselves, it doesn't have to be the whole day, but maybe for five minutes a day to spend time alone with your thoughts, alone with God, thinking about your purpose, getting clarity on what life is all about, to distance ourselves from money, to recognize that having money is just a tool, a tool to do good with that money. It's not a goal. Not spend our lives chasing after money, to spend our lives chasing after mitzvahs. And I want to wish you all a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Thank you for listening.